Welcome to the Washington Church Toledo Podcast. Together, we are learning to encourage one another to walk with God through cultivating a personal relationship with Jesus the Christ. This podcast consists of recordings from our Sunday morning worship services and other teaching events that you are more than welcome to come join us live. Good morning, Washington Church. And anyone who's online, welcome. Uh, Pastor Jimmy and his wife Ann and their family have been on vacation. They'll be coming back this week. So please keep them in your prayers for travel, but as well as that this time away has been refreshing for them. And um, we're going to continue on, though, in our series in Romans. This is the seventh week that we have been in Romans chapter 12. I want to remind you, if you were here last week, you heard this, that uh, the church in Rome at this particular time is about 150 people or so. Uh, students of that, of archaeology, biblical archaeology, believe between 100 and 200 people who were uh, in several different house churches. Uh, that was the church at Rome. It was about half Messianic Jews, uh, Jews who had discovered Messiah, and the other half was Gentiles who came to salvation in Jesus Christ. Um, there was lots of diversity in background, in uh, ideas, in way they had been brought up, in the way they were, had been taught, what they thought about life. And uh, they were also living in the heart of evil of that day, living in Rome, the heart of emperor worship. Uh, and the claim of Caesar that Caesar is Lord. And all of the Gospels are this battle between Jesus' claim that Jesus is Lord versus Caesar is Lord. So we've been looking at Romans chapter 12, uh, verse by verse, patiently, going through one verse at a time. We've got several more verses to go, lots of weeks left. Um, but Pastor Jimmy has asked that we keep repeating the verses that we've looked at. So I'd like you to stand with me. We're going to put Romans chapter 1, or excuse me, Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1 on the screen. And we'd like to read this together, so join me, please. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is our true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to you, every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is in serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. 
If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do cheerfully. Now, if you were with us last week, we did, chapter, we did verse 9, correct? Remember what we did? We all stood up and said it together. So here's the test. If you were not here last week, you're excused. Although I would expect you to have the Bible memorized anyways, but that's okay. Okay? So Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Say it with me. Love. All right, let's do it one more time. Love. Now that was last week. This week we're going to do verse 10. Guess what? You ready? Repeat after me. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. One more time. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Amen. You can be seated. You got it, right? See, it's not so hard. So we've got two very important verses we've been talking about. And I'm excited today because I, I was told this morning I have freedom to move. I can walk over here and I can come over here. The blockage is for overheads and I don't have any more overheads. So I can move around this morning. Um, so there's a wonderful book about the book of Romans by Scott McKnight called Reading Romans Backwards. And McKnight's premise is that if you read the last uh, five chapters, chapters 12 through 16, it's much easier to understand the first 11 chapters. Sometimes we plow through, and, and as Pastor Jimmy has mentioned, and I mentioned last week, people get overwhelmed with the theology that's in, included in those. So I would encourage you, uh, read chapters 12 to 16, and then try to read chapters 1 to 11, and I think you get a much better understanding. Um, beginning in chapter 12, Paul is writing to believers about being together in one body, how they are the church, and as the church, the light of the world, and we are to be Christ to one another, and we are to be the bright light of Christ to the world, to everyone who is outside the walls of this church and any other church. In this um, series so far, we've already heard, beginning with what we read today, that we're to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. And in the process of offering ourselves as a living sacrifice, our minds are being renewed. By the way, that's a never-ending process. We never stop having our minds being renewed. And in that process of being, having our minds renewed, our perspectives are changing. Our perspectives on God, our perspectives on life, our perspectives on things and stuff, our perspectives on the way the world looks, and our perspective on one another. That is also always changing. And we're learning new priorities and new things and new things about community. And we've also learned in community that each of us is gifted 
Each of us has been given, according to the scriptures, a manifestation of the Spirit, it's called, for the common good, which means I need you in my life. You need me in your life. We need each other. So there's this communal thing that not only do you have value to me, I have value too. Each of us has value in this room. If God's brought you here, our church can't be without you. That's according to the scriptures. We don't often think that way, do we? Our version of church is all about ourselves. Um, we sometimes like to think if it's, it's about me, um, but it's not. It's about us. And it's about God. Last week, as we looked at verse 9, we began to look at how even in of our differences, even in our different life experiences of age and religious upbringing and background, histories, tastes, hopes, priorities, families, education, and on and on with the differences among us, we are to come together as the church. Isn't God's ideas crazy at times? He's put Washington Church together. If you're here, he's brought you here. Now you can look around and wonder and go, why, God, would you do this to me? But God has. And he's put us together as a body in this community. And last week we talked about being sincere in our love for one another, being open and honest, um, using the image of our vision team of the mask and the mirror, of removing our mask and being ourselves with each other because we're loved and accepted and it's a wonderful place to be. Talked about together, hating what is evil. Not hating who is evil, but hating what is evil. Beginning with what is in us. My wife and I were driving along this week and she asked me an awful question. What evil in you do you hate? Oh, that's a fun question. I had to think about that. Because it starts with, I hate the evil that's in me. And then together we hate evil. Among us. We're also supposed to cling to what is good. And only God is good. We're supposed to be glued to God together. And if we're all glued to God, that means we're glued to each other and coming together, and that's the body of Christ. In today's verse, Paul continues on with sharing what that life looks like. And as we learned last week, this is not a list of do's and don'ts. These are not, in grammatical terms, imperative commands. But from verse 9 through verse 13, Paul's talking about what goes on in the church, and it's not given a list of a to-do list, but we're given a description of an atmosphere that is supposed to pervade this community. You can't program the things we're talking about. We can't ask the elders and Pastor Jimmy to get together and give us some programs that will do this to us. We can't. How do you program hate what is evil? How do you program love what is good? How do you program love must be sincere? How do you program be devoted and honor? You can't. It's what God must do among us, and we must give him the space to do that 
and let that be the atmosphere that we are a part of. So I'm going to lead in today's conversation, and I'm going to give you a simple illustration of just how difficult it is to be in the church. Now, I want to emphasize in this illustration a couple of things. First, when I get to the end and ask a question, there can only be one answer. Okay? There can only be one answer. The second thing I want to emphasize about this illustration is it's not true. I would never do this, what I'm about to say. Okay, you can ask my wife or most people who know me. I'm not doing this, so it's fake. Are we got it? So here's the deal. What do most of us do on Sunday after church? We go eat somewhere. Before COVID, you could meet half the church at Costco. But, but everybody goes out to eat somewhere. Okay? That's Sunday dinner in our culture. It wasn't, the way, wasn't that way growing up for me, but um, that's the way it is now that everybody goes to Sunday lunch. Um, my wife has never cooked on Sunday for dinner unless it's some special thing like Easter since we've been married. So for 50 years, we go out to lunch. <laughs> Even before that, she learned it because her father did it. We'd all go to church, everybody go to lunch. So today, we're all going to go to lunch together. I'm buying. <laughs> That's the not true part. So we're all going to go to lunch today, and I'm buying. Here's the question. Where are we going? There's not a snowball's chance that we'll agree. Zero. My wife and I can't agree. There is no chance of saying, we're all going to lunch together, where? Some people want to go, bring the kids into the show. McDonald's, pizza, something. Ladies are going, Texas Roadhouse, someplace. Depending on the size of your family, depending on your economic circumstances, dictates all those things. Some people are going to feel sorry for me that I'm buying for everybody, so they're going to say, let's not go too expensive. Some people saying, he's buying, let's go top of the line. J. Alexander's is probably going to fit us in. But that's how difficult it is to get us all on the same page and all thinking alike and all being at the same place at the same time. That, welcome to the body of Christ. That's the difficulty of all these different opinions and ideas and thoughts. And so, is Paul speaking about an impossible dream? Or is he speaking about a potential reality? I think too often we come to the scriptures and go, never going to happen. Then why is God telling us? I love Eugene Peterson when he talks about the scriptures uh, and his quote about the, about the Bible is this, everything in the text is doable. What if we changed our thinking to that? That what Paul is calling the Roman church to is really possible. Would that change how we approach church? I think it can, I think it should. Everything in the book is doable. 
Last week we talked about six words. Today we get a break. We're only going to talk about five words. So let's go to the first word. What's the first word? Be devoted. So what is this thing of being devoted? This is the only time in Scripture this Greek word is used that's translated devoted. And the meaning of the word is, is to be devoted or committed as a loving family. To be committed to one another as in a loving family. Just think about how committed are you to our community. Do we see one another really as a family? Our current culture says, I'm an individual. The church is some place to meet my needs. As long as you're meeting my needs and I like it and it's comfortable and it's good for the kids and it's enjoyable and I like Pastor Jimmy and da da da, da I'll keep coming. But as soon as any of that changes, I'm out of here. Well, that's hardly being devoted to the community. That's being devoted to yourself. The church is not some place that's designed just for me. We're called to be devoted to one another. Now we'll take a look at one another later. But it says we're to be devoted to one another in love. And last week we talked about love must be sincere. And the, the Greek word there for that love is agape. And agape is love by choice. I choose to value you because God does. There's no feelings in that. That's the love God has for us. God chose to love us. But now we come in this line, the next line, verse 10, the word used for love that's translated love is Philadelphia. And Philadelphia is brotherly love. The love you have for your family, your brothers and sisters. I found out something last week. Lexi and I share something in common. We, are, we were only childs, only children. Anybody else an only child? Wow, Ben, okay, Julie, okay, three. Wasn't being an only child cool? Who was the favorite? That'd be me. Whose turn is it? That'd be me. Whose toys are these? Uh oh, that would be me. It was great. There was never a need to share. Nothing. <laughs> it was all mine. Unfortunately, that's not the way most of the world is. And that's not the way the church is. In the church, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. I wonder in adulthood how many of you would say, my family is awesome. There are never, there's never been any problems or issues. Don't raise your hand or I'm not asking. I don't think there would be many. 
it was hard for me as a father. My wife and I had three kids. As in normal families, it was wonderful. Different things and different times. There was always an alliance of two versus one. I never understood any of that. You remember the famous news clip of the, of the one guy from the incident years ago in California? Can't we all just get along? No. And many families and pastoring churches and things that have gone through with many fa every family has issues and stuff. And often our perceptions of these brother-sister familial relationships is difficult. And there's something really important to understand. You never got to choose your brothers and sisters. You never got to choose your parents. So Philadelphia love is stuck love. You're stuck. That's who you got. It doesn't end. Like them, dislike them, family battles, issues, they're always there. They don't go away. And then Scripture says, you're brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh-oh. How does that work? And you're supposed to be committed to this. That's a hard thing. It's love without choice. Normally, none of us got to pick any of that. I didn't get to pick that I was an only child. I didn't get to pick who my parents were. I didn't get to pick any of that. Neither did you. But you're thrown together in this family and go, love one another. And it's interesting. Our kids are in their 40s now. And it's even interesting now when we all come together, they all fall into the roles they always had. When they were little, on they're still acting the same. Even when we come to a family dinner and sit down, we always all sit in the same place. It's just we have this thing as a family. Well, that's us as the church. And sometimes that's really difficult to work through, to be committed to one another, to be devoted to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ is what Paul is telling us to do. in family love because God loves each of us the same and you can look around there might be people you you like you dislike you agree or disagree I could throw out any topic under the sun and we could instantly split no matter what the topic I'm I could throw I'm not going to do it because I don't want to do that but that's the tension that we all live with. But we're called to be devoted to one another in love. Are we as a church devoted, committed to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ? That does not mean all goes well all the time. Things are going to happen you don't like. Somebody's going to walk by you and not say something. Who knows why? Pastor in a church, I, I once had to deal with a, with a person 
who was upset at me and eventually left the church because I didn't say hello to them on a Sunday morning. I walked by them in the hall. I was thinking of 50 things that getting ready for a service, and I honest, I never noticed. I didn't. I was walking, thinking. They were so upset they left the church because I didn't say hello to them that morning. That's not devoted to one another. That's not loving one another. Families have disagreements. We all come with our own experiences and our perspectives on life that God is shifting and changing in all of us. And we have to all realize something. God's not changing all of you to think like me. Wouldn't that be awesome? God's changing all of us to just think like me. But you're thinking, no, I don't like the way you think. God's changing everyone to think like me. But what God's trying to do is get us all to think like Christ. And we are brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a never-ending challenge. We're never going to get to the place this side of heaven, this side of eternity, where it's like, I'm in a church and it's just perfect. Everything is smooth. Just wait. It'll only be a matter of time. It is a never-ending process of being devoted to one another in love. The next word we want to look at is honor. We've looked at be devoted. We've looked at love. Now we're looking at the word honor. And when we read the word honor, all kinds of things come to mind. But what's really interesting is the translation of that word. Now, if you take the Greek word and put it into the English language, it is spelled T-I-M-E. It's pronounced time. That's the word that's translated honor, is the Greek word time. And that word means to put a value onto something. So if you're having a garage sale and you got these little stickers and things, some of you may have done this, or if you work in retail or something, you're putting tags on something, and you're putting the tag or the sticker on things that says, this is worth 50 cents, or this is worth $50, or this is worth $100, or whatever value you deem it to be. That's time. In biblical times, it also applied to putting the value on a person you were going to sell as a slave. This person is worth X. It's putting a value on something. Scripture is telling us, Paul is telling us, put a value, put a price on every other person in this community. Above yourself. Put a price tag on everyone else that they are worth more than you. That's easy, right? Our culture battles against that idea every single day. But that's what it means to honor one another. Put a price on them that is higher than you put on yourself. 
There's another place that word is used. Time. In the New Testament, Paul uses that same word in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Listen. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. That word translated price, Timae. That verse is saying, God put a value on you that was greater than the value of his son. So he sent his son to die for you. That's the depth of that word, honor. Do we value one another like God does? To see each other in infinite worth. Just look around. First glances and first opinions, you can have all kinds of ideas about people. They're too young or they're too old or da 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 da. Or I know them and they're kind of weird or whatever. Can you put a value on them more than you? That's what it means to honor one another. Assign a great value to each person who's in this community. That doesn't mean you devalue yourself. You're worth a lot (laughs) in God's eyes. You're invaluable to the community. But we see each other as really, really important, every one of us, and really, really valuable. And that word translated give preference. Honor one another above yourselves to give preference to them above yourself means to lead the way. Each of us should be leading the way in honoring one another. Now, it's not a competitive thing where I'm better than you are because I'm leading the way better than you are. It's that we're in this constant thing of I value you. I honor you. Always. What a great thing that if each of us was leading the way in valuing others as more valuable than me, in honoring one another. Wouldn't that be a wonderful family? Wouldn't all of us say, boy, if my kids would just get this. What if we all just got this? But here's what's really cool about today, and it's the fifth word. The fifth word is a Greek word called alelon. It's translated one another. Alelon is one another. You'll find that it's used a hundred or so times in the New Testament because you'll see things like encourage one another, love one another, forgive one another, grieve with one another, rejoice with one another, or laugh with one another. And that word is really interesting. Um, Mrs. Brown, my freshman high school English teacher, would be really proud of me using grammatical things last week and now this week. Grammatically, that word alelon 
or one another is something called a reciprocal pronoun. Here's what a reciprocal pronoun means. A reciprocal pronoun means whatever I'm doing to you, you're doing to me. So when it says honor one another, I'm honoring you and you're honoring me. It's a dynamic that's always going back and forth. If I'm devoted to one another, you're devoted to me. We're devoted to each other. And that's this wonderful atmosphere amongst us that's created when we live that way. And I'll remind us again, Paul writes it because it's doable. Scripture is not filled with stuff of, nah, 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 you can't do this. It's written to us in a way so we understand so it's doable amongst us. We can have that kind of atmosphere amongst us. That is what Paul is calling us to. Because he started out Romans 8, or Romans 12, if you remember, brothers and sisters in Christ. Scripture calls us children of God. That's who we are, family. And last week we had the image, our vision team's image of the mirror. What image do you think could come to mind this week? How about a table? How about a table? In a little bit, I'm going to keep my word, Ben's going to come and lead us in family dinner. Is he not? We're going to have communion together. Family dinner. There's a place at the table for all of us, equally. The only person at the head of the table is Jesus Christ. And sometimes when we think of that image at the table, we think of, yeah, we need to invite everyone in, and I'm not saying we shouldn't, but we need to also remember there's space for everybody in this room at the table. We all have an equal place at that table. So today we really are going to have Sunday dinner together. Before Ben leads us, I really felt impressed this week that we need to make our prayer team available for prayer. I think this is an important word from God for us this week. So the prayer team people are going to gather. Bridget will play. Ben will come and lead us. But um, maybe God's calling you to ask for, come to pray for repentance. Maybe repentance for something between you and real brothers and sisters, real family. Or maybe he's calling you to pray for family relationships here. Maybe you need to pray for God to unbind some of that hurt that's in us that's been put there in family circumstances. Lots of us are, have pain in our life from what's happened to us in a family. Maybe we need to pray for just repentance of sins and healing in family relationships. I think we all need to pray for the Holy Spirit to give us the power to be that light, to be who God is calling us to be and to be the light of the world. I think we all need to pray for 
for us to come together at Washington Church and live into the vision God has given us. Maybe you need to pray because you are part of this community and you feel alone. No one should be alone in the body of Christ. Over 30% of the people in the United States have one or less people that they could turn to for help. Think about that. Over 30% of the people in the United States believe that there's one or none people they could turn to for help in the time of need. That should not be the body of Christ. And maybe we should pray that we as adults can be examples to our children of what the church can really look like. Many of us did not grow up with a healthy picture of what church looked like. So maybe we should pray. So there's lots of things to pray for. The prayer team will be available. Ben's going to lead us in family Sunday dinner. I've been guilty in the past of trying to think of something clever or creative to say uh, around communion that can somehow make it seem more significant. And as I've thought about that and as I'm speaking it out right now, I'm struck at just how foolish that is, that I can think I can say or do anything that can improve upon what, what Jesus did for us. I think as we come to participate together in communion today, we need to just remember what he did for us. To remember simply the work of the cross. To remember that God, in the depth of his great love for us, sent us Jesus. And we are told that Jesus was broken for us. His brokenness is stronger than the brokenness in our lives. And because of his brokenness, we can be made whole. Part of being made whole is the idea of restoration. And that can show up in a lot of different ways in our lives. It could be restoration physically. It could be something mentally in the way that we think. Or it could be restored relationships. So as we reflect on the words that, that Mike shared with us this morning, I would encourage you in this time, if you can think of someone in your life, if it's a family member, a coworker, a friend, someone you need to talk to Jesus about, go and get prayer. Or maybe if it's somebody in this room that you know you need to go and talk to, now is the time for that as well. Because the truth is, ultimately, we serve a God who specializes in making things whole. So, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, after giving thanks, he, he took bread and he broke it. 
He said, this is my body, broken for you. Take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together in the bread. same way after supper Jesus took the cup and he said this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood take and drink and every time you do this do this in remembrance of me let's partake together in the cup thanks for listening if you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing email us at office at washingtonchurch.org or go to our website washingtonchurch.org